On today's episode, fools, tunes, traverses, and the power of beer. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. Your hosts, Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. It is the beginning of June for those of you who are listening to it currently or maybe in the future. And we are in the midst of two critical points in history. We are still about 10 weeks into a pandemic, COVID 19, which is still affecting a lot of us. And we are also at a critical junction in history in which there is a fight to end racism and it is taken to the streets. Um, This is something that affects all of us, especially as outdoor lovers, because until everyone can feel safe outside, there's really um, a lot of work that needs to be done. So we are in um, a critical junction. I personally believe we're in a critical junction of history where it is time to stand up and make sure that we live in a place where everyone can feel safe going outdoors and that is currently not the case. So we would like to just address that and talk about the fact that it can feel overwhelming right now. It can feel like there's a lot going on. Um, it can feel hard to know where to ha- help or how to help. And personally, um, this is speaking for me, I would say the important thing is to not do nothing so help where you can. And if you feel comfortable joining a protest in your local community, I think that's great. If you want to donate to a local organization that does social justice work that helps support underrepresented communities, if that is something that you can do, do that. If you can personally, if you have a platform, if you have a voice that you can speak to others, do that. Um, I think the important thing is, and personally, is that we need to do something. So I don't think being silent is an option right now, which is why we wanted to sort of address it head on in the podcast. Um, And to all of those who are marching and are um, peacefully protesting and are experiencing the violence, we feel for you um, and know that we are with you. you. On our podcast, we talk about getting outdoors and the adventures that currently are a little bit on hold for a number of different reasons. Uh, We have National Trails Day coming up on June 6th, the first Saturday in June. Um, There are ways to pledge to help create support for outdoor spaces, which creates better health and wellness for everybody. We just like to recognize that there's a lot of people doing extraordinary things right now, and we hope that this podcast continues to provide inspiration for people uh, for when the time is to get back outdoors, to get on out there, and to do so maybe with open eyes and open arms and open hearts. One of the one of the quotes that you've probably seen floating around right now is from Desmond Tutu. And he says, if you were neutral in situations of injustice, you've chosen the side of the oppressor. If an elephant has its foot on the tail of a mouse and you say that you are neutral, the mouse will not appreciate your neutrality. And I think that speaks a lot about our current situation. And, you know, you know, we're, we're very fortunate people to be able to enjoy the outdoors and not everybody can enjoy it in the same way or without, without, you know, fearing for sometimes 
retribution in some form. So I think it's important that we uh, do something, whether that's donating to a great cause or whether it's getting out and marching or um, uh, nonviolently, of course. But it's just a, it's a tough time right now. Nobody anywhere should ever have to think about when they go for a run or when they go birding or when they go for a hike that their life may be in danger just for the color of their skin. And so I think there's a lot of work to do to continue to create equitable spaces outside for people. Absolutely. I mean, you know, again, if, if, if you know, those, those cases in particular aren't us, then who isn't, right? If, if someone jogging or someone just looking at birds in a park isn't the outdoor community, then, then who is? You know, and the notion that we take it for granted, right? We take it for granted as, as, you know, white Americans and, you know, obviously Jeff and I as white male Americans that we can just go outside and it's never a threat. And I don't know, you see stuff like that and it's just, it's un, it's unimaginable really. And, and, you know, as a community, obviously we need to rally and we need to help do what we can, big or small, do something to help make the, these spaces available to everyone so that everyone can enjoy them in the same way that we do. As COVID restrictions are lifting and different states are having different rules, it's hard to sort of keep track as to how people are now getting out responsibly. But it is safe to say that there are opportunities to do that. And so we just really, again, as we talk about and celebrate getting outdoors, we just want to make sure everyone is up to date on their current regulations and responsibilities as far as COVID-19 goes. Um, There's a great... uh, resource called recreateresponsibly.org and it just has a really good sort of guidelines that are super simple just things to think about before you head out onto the trail especially in the times of COVID-19 so we just asked um, as we continue to talk about getting out and celebrating the outdoors and all jonesing to get out there we just really want to make sure um, that we're doing so responsibly so please just that's our two cents that we're putting out there to all y'all all right, so Jason, talking about getting outdoors, who are we talking to today? Yeah, so today we're talking to RJ Soria. Um, he's, he's an organizer. He organizes an event called the Fool's Traverse, which one of us in this group may have foolishly signed up for. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then because you know we recorded this before the, the, the shelter-in-place came into effect, his event had, had to be rescheduled. So we then had him back on last week and talk to him just to give us an update on all of that. So if you hear him talking about things that are going to be happening, you know, in, in uh, late April, early May, they didn't happen. They've been rescheduled, but we wanted to keep the, the, um, the interview intact. And we do have a, a short update after that from him. So that's who we're listening to today. And here it is. On today's show, we've got a special guest, RJ Soria, who is a trail runner and uh, probably I know him best for an event that he puts on annually called the Fool's Traverse, which features 11 peaks, 26 miles, up to 12,000 vertical feet um, in one day. You could say that might be a little bit foolish. RJ, thank you for joining us here (laughs) in the studio. Thanks for having me, you guys. Appreciate you uh, putting this together. Awesome. So tell us, first of all, tell us about the Fool's Traverse. Um, How long has it been running and how did it get started and why are you doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this will be the fourth year that we're hosting it. Um, Let's see, why are we doing it? It's, It's just, I really like the idea of 
I mean, it started with just creating a community for an outdoor apparel brand, which is what Traverse Apparel started as. We're kind of in the middle of rebranding to Traverse Outdoors, so that's kind of a little awkward. But yeah, the Fools Traverse, just uh, the first year I did it, we kind of just threw it together and saw what would happen. And then I think like 45 people to 50 people came out. I think it was like 65, actually. And uh, literally met me in the Ice House Canyon parking lot at 1 a.m. and tried to nab 11 peaks in a day and that kind of stemmed from uh, the 11 peak challenge which existed before the fool's traverse did that was just a hike a hiking route that endurance uh the endured athlete would go try um so we kind of just branded it and threw it out there and saw what would happen so 1 a.m that's the start time or yeah so the problem with these endeavors is that um if I start it later, like at six, people might not finish until midnight because people who do things like this, they're committed a lot of times, sometimes overly committed. Or maybe they should be committed. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. So the thing is, um, if, if they're on that, you know, eighth peak and it's getting close to sunset, you know, it's probably not the best thing for them to stay on the trail. And they might not be aware of that because they're delirious and they're like, no, I'm going to go get it. So if we start earlier um, when they're full of energy and aware, then they can get uh, more done and kind of create a more realistic approach to what they're going to do. And who isn't full of energy at 1 a.m., right? <laughs> right. Good point. <laughs> well, it works out that way so far. Plus, yeah. I, I think when it's got a 17 to 18 hour cutoff. Um, I think we're doing 17 hours this year, which means they'll end around 8 p.m. Uh, for the people that start at one anyway. They can also check in between anywhere anywhere from one to four, actually. Um, so if we cut them off, they'll end at eight. And um, that means I don't have to like stay awake too much long after that, worrying about who's still on the trail kind of thing. So there's a lot of factors <laughs> with safety. And, and and why don't we just just describe what is the rail what is the fool's traverse how many peaks how far how much climbing so, all, all the numbers yeah the fool's traverse is an endurance challenge uh, in the Mount Baldy area uh, in which its participants attempt to climb eleven mountains in under seventeen hours eleven peaks twenty six miles roughly if you're a purist you can get up to twelve thousand feet starting from Bear Canyon. Um, and a, an additional 2,000 feet of gain. So, or I'm sorry, yeah, 12,000 feet total. Um, but yeah, it's a full-on mountain marathon. It's harder than a lot of challenges that are at that distance. And the cool part about it is that we give you, a, the participants, a little bit less information and uh, as far as like route planning. And we kind of open it up to like, all right, what fitness level are you at? you're kind of going to kind of put together a route based on that and try to be realistic about your goals. Like you don't have to, the goal is not to do all 11. It's to do as many as you can and uh, try to win raffle prizes from REI, Patagonia, um, uh, some of the brewing companies work with Aerolodge Brewing and uh, ourselves Traverse Outdoors. Um, So you kind of just gather points per peak to win prizes from those people. Um, and again, yeah, we give you a less information. It's as whereas like most ultra marathons might say like, um, here's the course description, here's the exact everything, and you're gonna shuffle from you know concession stand to concession stand, kind of picking up things as you go. Where like you're gonna do this completely off of your own planning, 
Um, there we have some YouTube tutorials we can go on for how to set up a route on CalTopo and Google Earth and kind of uh, navigate that way. Um, and you can kind of just go get it. And then people end up on the trail like, hey, this guy didn't give us enough information. What are we going to do? I don't know, but I hear this beer later. And uh, that's kind of what happens. <laughs> the, 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 the power of beer. What yeah. can't beer do? <laughs> and, and so, RJ, so how do people, you know, basically check in or prove that they've visited each of the peaks? Oh, yeah. So that's another thing is there's uh, the day before the event, myself and Jeremy, who's my partner in, in crime with all this stuff. Uh, we actually are going to place peak markers on each peak. Um, it's basically a little canister, and inside of it uh, is a um, a certain hole punch. There are custom hole punches for each peak. This is something I picked up from uh, Baldy Marathons, which is another challenge in the Mount Baldy area that's for uh, some pretty extreme athletes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's got a hole punch in there. We give you a card, like a baseball playing card with the Fool's Traverse logo on it, and your goal is to stamp it at each peak um, accordingly and bring that back to me to show me what you've done at the end of the race or the event. Cool. So now you, uh, how many, now what year is this? How many years have you done it so far? Yeah. So far we've done it for four years. This is the, the fourth annual, um, yeah, 2020. And do you participate in it as well or do you just, do you just do it? So I, in organizing it, it's, I can't participate in it. Um, what we do is we'll like, Jeremy and I will go up after we check everyone in. We'll usually like take a quick nap and then wake up and go like up to like Thunder Mountain and start like checking in on people and doing like photography and social media stuff. Um, but I, in the years we've done it so far, I think I've done it three times, but I'll do it like approaching the event alone with no aid station or anything just hoping i get through it <laughs> last year i didn't get to do it but this year i most definitely will uh, so and, and how many i think you mentioned already but how many participants um so far we are consistent like the first year was like 45 the, every year after that was near 100 115 something like that and um hopefully we'll get a few more this year we'll see how it goes Oh, that's so cool. Well, let's uh, let's take it back now. And like, so so you are a trail runner, and you did. That. How did you get into that? And how long have you been doing trail running? Uh, so I got into trail running through fitness in general. Actually, it's funny. I got a DUI in like 2010, maybe, and because of that, I I didn't end up getting the you know little blow system installed. I just didn't drive for like a year. Um, or three years, I don't know, whatever. Uh, anyway, so I just started commuting to work on a skateboard and on a bike. And because of that, I was also like, all right, I need to change my lifestyle up here. Ended up going to the gym, Gold Gym in West Covina. Really kind of fell in love with that and just, you know, bettering myself physically. Um, and eventually, like six months in, I kind of just got bored, started plateauing um, and started getting outdoors with friends. Uh, I made a goal to like hike Mount Baldy a couple of the friends that I went out with that I was hiking with at the time, you probably weren't equipped for that. <laughs> so we had to turn back and I ended up going back to do that like the next day um, or the next week or so. And I fell in love with it uh, as anyone does when they climb up to the peak of Mount Bald, the tallest peak in Los Angeles. Um, so I continued from there. I, I think I came home that day and my mom threw a newspaper on my desk that said the, the run to the top, which is a popular Mount Baldy race. Yeah. Seven, Liberty weekend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, Oh cool. I'll sign up for that. And I'll probably beat everyone. Cause I was like all cocky and <laughs> new to this. Um, so I went out there and got like, uh, I don't know, 98th place overall Ooh. an hour and 45 minutes, I think something like that. 
Uh, and it was a good time. And I found out about trail running from that and in uh, ultra running eventually. And I kind of was like, okay, I want to do a 50 K just started hanging out with more people that did that kind of stuff. And I think I did my first unofficial 50 K, uh, maybe like a year after that with a couple of runners, um, that was part of the AC 100 course. And like, I remember just like finishing that and feeling terrible. <laughs> it's that type two fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, an unofficial 50 K, uh, well, it wasn't a race or anything. We just went out and did a, a course, a part of the Angeles Crest 100 course from Chileo to Chantry or Henninger flats. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I, I kind of stray. I don't really do a lot of racing. Um, I kind of just like getting out there and races cost money a lot of times. And it's like, ah, it, it's like this huge commitment on this certain date. Whereas I can just train up to anything and like kind of get out there. Right. There's, there's less spontaneity for yeah. a race. Right. So I love it though. Um, I, I love the community backing of it. It's just, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I don't always, it doesn't always work out that way where I can just like on this certain day be in this like great amount of shape and I'll just go out there and get my ass kicked. But, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. No. Yeah. We're ass is okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. We all have them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or no one. And, and so now in Traverse, is that your company? Yeah. Traverse Outdoors is a brand I started probably also like three or four years ago. Um, and it started as just me doing graphic design and kind of seeing a lot of the, the stuff that was out there at the time for like hikers and runners out there to wear. And it was just a little bit not what I thought I would want to wear. So I started putting out uh, some, I figured, I, th I think I told myself I'd work on like six designs that would be, you know, or oriented to like what I would wear, which was like based off of like a lot of tattoo art and, uh, you know, band shirts kind of stuff that I liked. Uh, and I just went from there and started the website. And a lot of what I realized going into that was when you're building a lifestyle apparel brand, you need to be community oriented big time. Um, and that's what um, we kind of put together was, um, you know, started gr organizing group hikes and group trail runs. And that's how the full traverse came about. And that's kind of why we're rebranding is like, we do a lot more outdoor excursions than we do clothing uh, at this point. And it's, it's a uh, lucrative and it's awesome. So it grows the business in an efficient way. And that's why I want to con continue in that direction. Cool. Awesome. So Jason and I had done a thing. We didn't do this last year, but for the last four or five years, we've been doing a half marathon. Oh, nice. So uh, there's a, there's a company that organizes half marathons that are adjacent to national parks. Mm -hmm. And so we've done one at uh, the first one we did was at Zion and we did Grand Canyon and then we did uh, Teton and Glacier, Teton and Glacier. And, uh, and then last year we were talking about, we wanted to do like something different every year. So Rocky mountain was sort of like the next one that sounded really cool, but that particular race, they only do every other year. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up not doing it, but this is a long way of me saying, um, both of us run a bit, yeah. but we're not really trail runners. Right. And, um, 
you know, do some of these events, is it exclusive to somebody who is a trail runner or, you know, like I'm more of a, I, I would consider myself more of a hiker. I actually don't really care to run. I right. Don't. Right. No, and <laughs> that's totally the case is uh, the Fool's Traverse is very hiker oriented and it, trail runners have come out and, you know, blasted through the entire route in seven and a half hours. That's, I think that's like close to the record, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's more of a, like come out and do as much as you can. We don't even post like the results in, uh, you know, order of first place, second place. We post it in alphabetical order and you kind of just come out and do your own thing. And you have the same amount of chance of, you know, winning prizes as the first place person. Well, maybe a little less because they have more points than you, but uh, it's pretty close to the same amount of likeliness of you just getting rewarded for coming out and doing this. Um, So that's what's cool about the event. It's not very it's not competitive it's not a race um we're just getting out there and having a good time challenge yourself now do you have any other events other than the fool's traverse or is this just the first one do you have anything in the works so this is the first one and as as event planning goes it it is extremely like there's a learning curve (laughs) so that there was stressful for the first like two and even into the third year and this year as we're getting better at putting everything together and you know um organizing ourselves on the back end we're kind of starting to look at other options so we have a couple routes in mind for actually we probably are pretty committed to doing um one in the san gorgonia wilderness next year um we just got to go scope it out because uh neither of us have done the route we have in mind so yeah we'll see how it goes (laughs) jeff and i we did what was the name of the we did the ridge between gorgonio and bernardino we did an overnight and did both the divide trail divide trail so that's that's what we're talking about actually yeah Yeah. it's really beautiful up there yeah and it's all up in a ten thousand foot range and i I just don't know enough of the logistics to like set it up but we're committed to doing that in the next like three or four months like backpacking it in a night um just to collect beta and you know all the photography and videos and stuff like that. And once we put all that together, we'll have a good backing for uh, hosting the event next year. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the base challenge, there's not much water up there. Right. Right. I, I hear there's like two springs along the route. Is that, is that it? Uh, well, there's the limber pine, limber pine. Yeah. Uh, there's a uh, Columbine, which I've never even been to. Yeah. I never had I think to. isn't that a mile. That's like a mile off the trail though. I a believe, mile right? off the trail. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a couple others that actually are not on, you know, they're obviously they're not on the divide. You right, have to go right. off trail half a mile, you know, each way. So, so that's where it comes to like the volunteer aspect is like, okay, we'll have to put together organized volunteers to go up and basically hike in. And that's why these uh, wilderness areas are really difficult to plan something around is like in most races, they plan it in an event space that has a lot of fire roads. And typically a lot of the course ends up, uh, consequently rather, a lot of the course ends up being a lot of fire roads. And ours is totally like ridgeline, single track, class two and three terrain. Um, So that's what's going to be cool about that. The problem is on the volunteer end, we have to get people to hike in X amount of miles and then carry in water from a spring to an area that crosses the trail. Uh, so it's a little difficult, but I think uh, people are willing to like help out because the event is just so cool. It's, o- it's okay. Water is light. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> it's the lightest thing you bring. Right. Come on. Yeah. I've seen those cans of like dehydrated water. Yeah, yeah that's what you need. Water. Right. Dehydrated right. Water. And water. We could also just do beer. It's got bubbles in it. It's yeah. part of it. It's water. They yeah. straight yeah. to the liver. Yeah. You know, <laughs> keeps <it> hydrated. <laughs> You've got some stuff coming up yourself, right? You said you you're. You've done your first unofficial 50 miler or 50K 
50K. And I've done an official 50K. I think I did the Bandit in 2014. I don't know. Um, And then I kind of just strayed off for a little bit. I did the 50 miler, the TNF in San Francisco. And this year I'll be doing the Kodiak 50 miler in Big Bear. Um, Besides that, I've got the uh, Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim in March. So south to north to south. And that's a, a, a one day effort. Yeah, right? we're going to be pushing for one day. No one has permits. We can't uh, deal with that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and the logistics of setting a car up at one end is also like, sure. it's just. Well, there's a giant hole in the middle. So it's right. like, yeah, yeah <laughs> you, right? you can't drive straight through. So yeah, it's quite a hike around. Yeah. yeah. So that, and then what else? Oh, this the my biggest goal that I tried to do last year. And I'm pretty, this is probably my biggest commitment is doing the Sierra high route which is uh, a, a route, a class one and two cross-country path that goes from Tuolumne Meadow on the north end and the south end is the Sequoia. What's that popular path? Cottonwood. You do the Ray Lakes loop from there. Yeah. Um, oh, Kearsage Pass? Okay, so yeah, that's where it starts on the south south southeast side. So I did that last year. I, I added 23 miles to start from Kearsage to go into Bubs Creek and into, I can't think of the name. Anyway, Creek, uh, Mineral Bidet Bidet Meadow, Ray Lakes. Well, we'll put Woods Creek, Roads End. Roads End. That's yeah, the one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. So, yeah, from Tuolumne oh, from the west. Okay. to so Roads End. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I haven't looked at the beta in quite a while, even though I was like very organized last year. But yeah. yes. do you go over Glen Pass or do you go up Woods Creek? You. And, and like skip the Ray Lakes. Do you go through the Ray Lakes? So you skip the Ray Lakes. Okay. You essentially go straight up. Um, North from Rhodes through, End through Paradise Valley, and then and then to Woods Creek. I don't know. It's it's like a five mile, five thousand foot climb. Yeah. Into a lake. I think it's called Granite. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. Um, but from there, you immediately go cross country into like some beautiful space. It's it's gorgeous. So I, I actually did a segment of the high route with a few friends uh, two years ago, and. Unfortunately, we had some altitude sickness problems on day one. So my friends tried to push through, but ended up turning back. And I was just like in my tent on the third night, like doing the beta on like what we needed to do to catch up and like, all right, how much elevation per day. And I woke up the next morning with this plan, uh, like, all right, you guys, are you feeling good? Because we should, this is what we got to do to go get it. And they were like, no. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like okay, yeah, because every day was like slowly and surely, like we're just doing less and less mileage um, for those first two days. And, and we we're just, I was overly committed at that point to like, let's catch up. And I ended up taking uh, their extra food, a little bit of it anyway, and um, a satellite beacon of theirs and just going for it. And I did 50 miles up to Mammoth um, Lakes and just had a blast and I fell in love with it so that the next year I planned to do the entire route in seven to eight days and that was last year unfortunately I ended up being the one with altitude sickness (laughs) and poorly trained and I was like everything else was like very calculated and I did really well with the navigation and I'm still in love with the route so I'm, I'm going back this year to do it in 10 days a little bit more wiggle room for you know possible issues that I might run into and possibly a friend might join me or two. Um, we'll see. It's a big endeavor. I don't plan on like, like if I had to go alone again, I wouldn't mind, but we'll see. I want to document the whole thing 
and um, kind of throw it on the internet and create that uh, opportunity for people to do a similar route with beta because there's not a lot of like uh, content for that and I think it would be very valuable yeah sure yeah so we'll see so uh, I don't know if I've told Jason this but I signed up for the full you did yeah I was excited yeah. uh, to see that <laughs> I, think, I was looking at the uh, information oh, yesterday and I saw your name and I was like oh that's right <laughs> uh, yeah so you know call me a fool yeah uh, I, I have I, many I, times in the past uh, yes <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot of foolish things yeah. but I, one of the things for, for me personally that I've found is that committing to something like that you know like okay you know I you don't write checks anymore, but you know, like I, I paid for the registration. I'm in the, you know, I'm committed. I've got it on my calendar. You know, right. I'm, we're actually training right now for a Mount Rainier summit oh, in awesome. May. So, yeah. you know, that's like my focus for training, but cool. I should be in pretty good, you know, shape by that time. Right. Right. And, um, I don't think that I'm going to uh, try to attempt to do the whole thing, okay. but you know, I, I, and I, I don't know if I'll run parts of it or not. You know, I might, um, you know, there's some of the, you know, the flatter sections or the downhills yeah. where the trail's pretty, you know, nice. I can, you know, make some good time. But uh, any advice for somebody like me? <laughs> um, let's see. I would definitely. So I guess to help people get out there, we'll release content on like, you know, outdoor navigation closer to the event date. Um, which is already on YouTube, but we'll just kind of share it. We also release a course uh, description called the Survival Guide about two weeks out from the event. Um, so it just gives you just enough time to kind of see what's going on. But besides that, we host a course preview about a month out. Um, there is a date for that, but I'll, I'll have to give it to you later. I can't think of it off the top of my we'll, head. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, so we'll do a course preview that anyone's invited to to kind of see what the hardest segment of the route is because even though most of the peaks are over 8,000 feet, the the lowest one is about 6,000. Ironically, it's the hardest one to get to, and that's Sugarloaf Peak. Um, so we do a, a course preview on that and about one, two, three, at least two other peaks, uh, Bighorn and Ontario. Uh, so we'll climb around there and come down Ice House kind of thing, um, depending on how everyone's feeling. Um, besides that, I would say train a lot of vertical because the ups and downs of going from peak to peak is just draining. Even though you might say like, oh, I've done a marathon before, you know, like I've climbed three mountains. Uh, well, getting up to six and seven and eight it, and also coming down to places like the top of the notch or ice house saddle, it's going to be really easy to, to say, I- I'm just going to quit. There's beer and tacos waiting for me at the party. This is the easy exit. Yeah. yeah like, right. why would I continue? It doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm not feeling great. Like, so I, I would say just be ready for that. And the best thing you could do is just train lots of vertical, um, up to like 8,000 feet in one sitting might be good. I wouldn't say do the whole 10 cause you want to leave something for the element of surprise, <laughs> but maybe get close to it and t- spend a lot of time on your feet. Um, before that in your training, even if you're just walking, you don't have to run. Yeah. Um, I think the most people common finish time is like 15 hours. It's pretty realistic, you know? Cool. So, uh, yeah, I, I can relate to that because a couple of years ago when we did, uh, San Bernardino peak and San Gorgonio, Jason and I, a couple of years ago is that overnight backpack trip right, with right. a friend. 
and went along that divide trail. And there's that 11 peak challenge or whatever it is called. It's along there. And I had in my mind when we started out, I'm like, oh, well, maybe we can just bag a few of those on the way, you know? And once we got, you know, we had tagged uh, San Bernardino first and then we were, you know, headed towards uh, San Gorgonio. And I'm like, nope, screw that. Um, Totally. I'm just going to stay on the trail. Yeah, that's big. And it looks huge from there. From San Bernardino, you have a what, little Charleston, I believe, and uh, between there. Yeah. Uh, We had planned on actually camping on top of Gorgonio that night as well. And that just, but no, we didn't make it. (laughs) We we could, we could have made it. We could have. We were like, ah, why kill ourselves? You know, like we can get up early and we were up there. We were like the first. Yeah. Like right after sunrise, basically. Yeah. It It was was really really nice. nice. So as long as you're getting out and having a good time, that's the good. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we were pretty gassed by by that time. I mean, I think we had done 12 or 13 miles. What was funny is that there was a group of, uh, young guys, I'm going to say they're in their twenties, 20 somethings, um, that were from out of state that were here they're to, they were going to do that 11 peak challenge. Oh, I think it's nine, isn't it? Or is nine it? peak. Yeah. Nine yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're going to do the nine peak challenge. And, uh, so they, you know, they, we took off about the same time Oh man. and we left them in the dust. Oh, no <laughs> way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's always So like, I feel kind of good about that, yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's cool. Hopefully you ran into them later and be like, hey, you guys, let's uh, kind of re, let's yeah. plan this better. Like, let's see what else. Maybe you should just join us yeah. on the way back. <laughs> that's rough. But uh, hey, that's how it goes. And that's how the Fool's Truth is. It kind of encourages that whole, like, you know, being realistic of what you can do and what your goals are and just kind of going with that. Going with the flow. Yeah. That's what the outdoors is ultimately about to all of us, right? Just getting yeah. out there. Well, uh, well, where can uh, where can we find you, RJ? Social media, website, where's the YouTube channel? Uh, Instagram at underscore kicks underscore rocks is my personal one. But Traver- at Traverse Outdoors is our Instagram page. Um, YouTube channel is the same thing, Traverse Outdoors. And that's lined up on Facebook, all that stuff. Um, that's where you'll find me. We host group hikes all the time, group trail runs every two weeks for now until it gets really hot. People just start showing up <laughs> and there's too many bugs in the forest for us to like run successfully. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Great. Well, <laughs> awesome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah. Thank you guys for it's having been, me out It's here. been great talking with you. Yeah. Uh, no, totally a pleasure to be here. You guys are great people. Um, just to sit down with like-minded individuals like you guys is really a pleasure. And here's the follow-up interview we did with RJ last week. Welcome back to the show. Um, how have you been doing with the stay-at-home closure order and all of the rest? Uh, you know, I've been hanging in there. Uh, being a bartender by trade, it's uh, you know been not very fruitful this whole situation but at the same time i do have traverse outdoors which thankfully we had really good sales the last uh, month and if it's not the most profitable thing in the world it is definitely keeping me busy um, navigating that Um, everyone's been super supportive and you know we're just stoked to uh, have that i'm just stoked to have that as you know a task every day to wake up and either run social media or add new products to the site and things like that so I've been busy. That's good. It's keeping you out of trouble. Yes, yes, exactly. That's my main concern. If I just had idle hands and I'd be probably in the mountains too much. So uh, it's better this way. So speaking of the mountains, we we talked to you originally. We, you know, a lot of it centered around the Fool's Traverse, which was coming up in June. What's happening with the Fool's Traverse in light of the whole coronavirus situation today? 
Well, um, it's still going down. I mean, it's like, like anyone else. It's just every day is something new. Um, and I'm just kind of trying to take it day by day. You've got uh, people reaching out like what's going to happen. And some people just super concerned with the, the whole thing. Um, and I want to make everyone feel as comfortable as possible about what we plan to do about it. But it, it, there's really nothing I can do except post, postpone it because I don't want to just like cancel it. It doesn't seem like it, that's super necessary. I don't think a lot of other race directors are kind of uh, doing that for the most part. They're just like postponing them and, and things like that. Uh, concerts that I've been had tickets to or just moving to a couple months later and even to some to even to my surprise where I'm like, wow, that's pretty early. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, we moved it to October for now. Um, and that's obviously still pending the whole situation. Um, no set date. We just kind of put the only email we put out was just saying October, <laughs> just to kind of let everyone know that we're still working on things and we're aware that, you know, we're holding their money at the very least, you know? Um, and I think it's going to be a really good opportunity to get out and see people that we haven't seen in a while and just celebrate, you know, each other's company. Um, so I'm excited actually. Yeah, well, fingers crossed that that all works out. I, um, as you know, in Southern California, anyways, or uh, we we all know, uh, trails are starting to reopen. Most trails, in fact, seem to be open at this point. Yep. And uh, but there's still some guidelines that go with them, like social distancing, still required. You know, large groups not allowed, things like that. So, um, how do you see that sort of impacting? You know, the uh, that event type scenario of like fools the fools uh, traverse um i i mean you know it's i haven't put too much thought into it i know that a lot of the resources that we use to um kind of host this kind of thing because i'm still fairly new to event organization i've only done three fools traverses since we started and i basically kind of just you know run the whole show from beginning to end with you know a few volunteers and uh, jeremy boggs is uh we talked about him before is one of my good friends and helping hands in the matter. Um, but yeah, from what I can tell online, just by like emails I'm getting is, is it's going to be a different landscape. Um, I think gratefully the outdoor industry is, um, you know, it's the outdoors. So it's probably the best kind of industry for dealing with this kind of thing. Cause I mean, ultimately we're able to wear a mask and stay 10 feet apart. And I do that with people on the trail anyway, cause I smell really bad. So it's just, it works. <laughs> if you can so in other words if, if if we can smell another person on the trail you're too close yeah exactly and you know i think that's already been kind of the the goal anyway so hopefully not much changes we'll see i can speak from personal experience that jeff is about it's about 20 feet away you got to be outside of like a 20 foot radius. and then the other thing you know? is when you're on the trail with someone for hours to days like eventually you run out of things to talk about anyway and you get into a mood because you start bonking so it's like all right i'm gonna go over here for a little bit why don't you just like you know <laughs> leave me be <laughs> yeah or rj speaking from someone who's also doing events it's just it's sort of up to the land managers really also you know it's one of those weird things where it's we can hope and we can keep our fingers crossed and we can you know plan but Ultimately, it's sort of out of our hands, but, you know, so just making sure we keep an eye out on things and watch, watch eagerly the news. But I think it's, you know, I think things will open up eventually. So we're going to stay positive for sure. 100%. I couldn't agree with that more. And I guess that's why my answers are kind of like 
all over the place. It, it's just like, it is out of your hands. And even with event planning, without the COVID-19 situation, the yep. last like month is go time because no one ever wants to say, all right, I'm in, I'm on board. Here's what we're going to do for you. They never want to be a part of it until you say, Hey, by the way, that due date that I told you about is tomorrow. And you really have, that's what I've learned last year actually is like, you really have to set your own deadlines that have nothing to do with the actual date and get people to, to commit to being finished with their project by then. Um, so that you can like follow through on your plans. It's, it's, it's a mess. So it is what it is. It's, it's another mess if, uh, that just kind of doesn't really change that. <laughs> flexibility. Yeah. yeah. Like all things in the mountains, right? You need to have, be flexible and have. Totally. 100%. Have backup plans. Um, yes. What would you recommend for people who are still eager and are looking to do it later in the fall? How would you recommend training with, you know, with limited access? Um, do you have any secrets that you want to share? Um, I think, well, th that's kind of funny that you ask because my training methods have always just like, uh, you know, I've been running for five, six years now and I've used, you know, resources online, just like livestrong.com and all sorts of articles that I've read um, up to this point that when I make a training plan, it really isn't all that much like, like long distance hiking. Uh, a lot of it is uh, running on the trail, of course, and, you know, doing really difficult climbs, but the full surface only really requires you to do a lot of, uh, speed track training. Um, I would say two days a week doing just the track, uh, whether it's intervals, you know, 200 meters, 400 meters, 600 meters, um, or maybe just hill repeats. And anyone has a hill somewhere near their house. As this loosens up, you can, you know, you don't have to travel far to get to like the hills in Whittier or wherever you are. Um, you could do some hill repeats, and that'll get you at least faster. Um, and also, you know, intervals helps with endurance as well, getting that heart rate up. Um, and at-home workouts, that's the biggest thing for me is like I don't always run because it's not really that great for you to just consistently put miles in. You should be working on core, um, mobility, proprioception, a lot of things that are going to help you from getting injured and be more uh, of a long-term runner than, you know, doing it for five years and then messing up your knee. Uh, and that's always the way I've thought of it as uh, since my first two times getting injured. So I kind of have been developing training plans that are more focused on not really driving 40 minutes to get to a mountaintop somewhere and kind of just being content with doing what you can with stuff around you that just develops your overall strength. Which is perfect for this particular time yeah. that we're in, you know, because that's what everyone's saying, you know, stay, stay local, stay close to home when you can. And, uh, you know, utilize what's nearby. So like for me, I've been, you know, hitting a lot of the, the local trails in the neighborhood, you know, there's yeah. not really trails, but, um, I think the next thing, uh, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to now that they've reopened Griffith park is taking the dogs up there and doing some, you know, hikes up there, uh, just to be able to, that's the closest Hills to me. So, uh, that'll right, be a nice exactly. place to go. Yeah. So one of our, our newest segments that we're doing and we'll hopefully do more of down the future is we want to get some, uh, some music playlists just to hear what kind of tunes our friends and, and are listening to, and you guys are listening to on the trail. So since we have you here, RJ, why don't you go through your, uh, your hiking playlist for us? Uh, sure. So I've, uh, you guys asked me to get 10 songs. First one is Queens of the Stone Age, Feet Don't Fail Me. Oh, that sounds a great yeah, title. Yeah, great. 
Yeah, that's just a great long introduction. That's kind of slow. I think times like have trouble get going when I first get on the trail. Even on the drive there, I'm yawning and I'm just like, all right, so let me get in the mood. And I think that one does it uh, almost every time because it's a nice slow burn toward in the beginning and it gets into a heavy rock track toward the end. Queens of the Stone Age, one of my favorite rock bands of all time. Very weird, uh, very cool. Anyway, next one is going to be Parquet Courts. It's a cover of the song "These Boots Are Made for Walking." Oh. I see a theme. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Good, yeah. uh, so the next one is the Ronettes, Be My Baby, uh, which is a classic jam my mom would be proud of. Um, I, I always found climbing mountains uh, and getting outside just super relative to, uh, you know, love stories and oldies and soul and funk. So a lot of these tracks are actually that. And Be My Baby is kind of like my tribute to Mount Baldy. Uh, <laughs> let's see. The next one is Bicep, uh, an artist called Bicep. The song's called Just, just more of an electronic jam. I can't just do a bunch of oldies, so I uh, had to change it up there. Um, then we've got Take the Long Road and Walk It by The Music, um, another favorite track of mine. Uh, Baby Huey and the Babysitters Running, um, 25 Miles by Edwin Starr. Um, Keep on Running by Gabriel Garzon Montana, which is a awesome up-and-coming artists if you guys are uh, fans of I guess R&B soul um, fight 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 is by two fingers a collaboration between Amon Tobin and another artist I forget his name but really great uh, EDM IDM electronic music and the last one which is most important is 433 by a composer known as John Cage uh, this guy I don't know if you're familiar but he basically went live in with a full orchestra and put his hands up like this, uh, like he was ready to compose a, a song, and then did complete silence for four minutes and 33 seconds in front of a whole live audience uh, and just stood there. <laughs> and I think it's important that when you get outside that you're not always just like, oh, I got to put my headphones in. And I, uh, I really want people to like uh, be aware of their surroundings. And sometimes you just got to take the headphones off. Oh, what an awesome list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was only like three or four things that I hadn't heard of. I, you're, I think you're, we're starting it off with a, a millennial or are you even old enough to be a millennial? You might even be younger than a millennial. No, I'm, I'm 31. I'm, I'm right there. Okay. With so he's a millennial. Didn't even know what, what to expect. I'm like, who knows? He might just to be a millennial. He might just do all like Doobie Brothers and Earth, Wind and Fire songs just to like, just to mess with us. But no, that was great. That's fantastic. I particularly like your last song. That's a super cool uh, concept. <laughs> glad you appreciate that thank you yeah you've set the bar high so everyone else who's giving us a playlist is now you know the gauntlet's been cast let's see what you come up with <laughs> uh thanks thanks you guys hello listeners do you have like a super cool hiking playlist that you want to share with us go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash almost there and leave us a voice recording no longer than a minute or so telling us about your playlist and hey it may end up here on the podcast well, that's going to do it for us. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast and follow us on social media on Instagram at almost there underscore AP or the almost there adventure podcast on Facebook. You can find Severia at adventurous women. That's adventure us women, Jeff at the SoCal hiker or me at the Muir project. Our title track almost there is performed by Opus Orange and is provided courtesy of Emoto. On our next episode, we talk to our friend, author, and the founder of Modern Hiker, Casey Schreiner. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks.